Greetings. Let's join Fred Kuhn as he digs for solutions on this issue with our guest. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on the U.S. at Work broadcast today. My guest is an old friend of mine, and he has been in the business for 40 years. He's one of my mentors, and I'm going to share some dirty laundry about me and about Martin. But before we do that, let me tell you, my guest is Martin Yates. And Martin uh, was in senior management in Silicon Valley. He was a headhunter, director of training and development, director of human resources at two public companies. He has authored 18 career management books, published in 80 editions, and the ultimate job search guide for 32 of those editions. He writes weekly management columns for the Society of Human Resource Management, which is published in 62 countries every Tuesday. He has two optical patents and was, without question, the second worst bass player in the world. Also, I thought he was embalmed, but I see now that he's not. So, Martin Yate, welcome to the show. Thank you. You promoted me from worst bass player in the world, huh? Yeah, that's right. Second worst. Yes, I did. Yeah. You all do so, know that Fred is a very famous banjo player and plays in festivals <laughs> all around the world, folks. Hey, Fred, good to be with you. Thanks, Martin. All right, I said I'd share some dirty laundry. I'll share it on myself and you. In my last book, Hire the EQ, Not the IQ, Martin was one of the people that I went to. Richard Bowles was the other. And I only got one sentence back from Martin when I sent him the draft, and it said, Fred, where is your voice? And that crushed me, and I didn't finish the book for three more years. So thank you, Martin. It made it a better book. I hope it did. And seeing the finished product, it was. And everyone dreams of writing and everyone listening today is dream of writing. And you all try just as I did and Fred did. We try to write professionally. Forget that crap. You want to write like you're having a conversation. And the more you can do that, the more people will say, it's so nice to meet you. You talk just like you write. And that's what it's all about. Okay. Our subject, now that we've got the dirty laundry cleaned and hung on the line, I want to go to our, our subject today, which is so relevant in today's working marketplace, and that is the impact of artificial intelligence and robotics on working professionals. So, Martin, I'm going to ask you, what should working professionals know about the impact of AI and robotics? I don't know how many of you have heard about Forrester Research. They're a company that runs commentary on the impact of technology on society. And how well are they respected? When they come out with a paper on something, it's a bit like it's come down from Mount Ararat, carved in stone. These people have just a stellar reputation. And anybody can read their stuff just when they come out. They cost about 450 bucks, unless you know the right people. 2016, they came out with a report on the impact of artificial intelligence and robotics. And they said basically the following. AI and robotics is going to remove the need for 16 million jobs in all professions, in all industries, and all levels. 30% of heritage technology companies are going to be gone. But it's not all bad news, folks. We're going to be generating 9 million more jobs. Fred, 
I think. They well, wait a minute. The math doesn't work. Sixteen less nine is seven million. It ain't there. <laughs> yeah, but the, the nine million jobs are going to create. They're going to be, I think, in robotics and artificial intelligence. So unless you're in school getting a degree in that area, you're probably going to be polishing the bloody things. They've updated that report twice since. And they are now saying we're going to, could be losing 30% of all jobs by 2030. This is really scary because it doesn't add in the impact that we, since the Second World War, and check your Wikipedia for this, we have economic downturns like clockwork every seven to 10 years. We could have two recessions in the 20s. And we've got to add into it. What we're talking about is serious employment disruption. And if you are in the workplace now, you've got to pay attention to this, of how it's likely to affect your industry, your profession, your company, and your job, and start taking action now. They're going to replace 40% of the workforce. That 40% comes from an Oxford study from a, a couple of years ago. There are lots of studies on this. The only ones that say, oh, that's not going to have any difference at all, are the ones that are doing studies on behalf of our major corporations. But okay. if you look at billionaire and gazillionaires, you know, the top dozen people who are all, you know, Elon Musk, people like that, who are talking about having a universal minimum wage. Why do you think they're talking about it? We're talking about unemployment of civil unrest proportions. Yes. And they're wondering how their guards are going to keep them safe in their secret compounds. And a universal minimum wage is one of the things that could push the problem further out. That's why this stuff is being discussed. I'm really on a doomsayer, aren't I? I really hope I'm wrong about this, but I am <laughs> scary. I'm not. Well, you know, I'm looking at it. What is the alternative then in terms of those millions that are going to be unemployed? And that was the retraining into what? What do we retrain them into if the jobs aren't there? Well, you know, the interesting thing was in 1995, I published a book called Beat the Odds. And I went all around the country and on every radio station, television station, I was told that I was a communist, I was a pinko. I was a socialist, and if I couldn't be loyal to the American way, I should go back to wherever the hell I came from. <laughs> and that was because, <laughs> really, 20, 23 cities. And that was because I was saying in this book, I didn't use artificial intelligence or robotics. I said the world is becoming less and less secure, and you can't rely on a central core professional career. It should be one of three. And this was based on some psychological research I had to be, I paid to be done, which showed that there are certain learnable behaviors and values that apply not only to your success in your professional career, but to pursuing entrepreneurial endeavor. And we all have entrepreneurial dreams, Fred. They happen, start happening at about 16 to 22. And most of them fail because we have no idea of business work, how business works. And then Uncle Sam says, you've done well, Fred. Now, I think you should sort of fold those dreams up, put them under the bed and go out and get a real job. And we all do it. And we never try. Yes, that's true. We all do it. We all do it. And what you've got to do is recognize, I mean, I had six businesses go belly up till I got one going at the age of 35. Henry Dow owned, before he passed on, a little company called Dow Chemical. I think it's still the world's number two chemical company. He went bankrupt five times. You've got to keep going. 
and you learn more Absolutely. from your mistakes than you do from your successes. And the third path I suggested was, you know, that, that career management advice, follow your bliss, Fred, and you'll never work another day in the rest of your life, which I've always <laughs> thought is, is laughable. Because you go into any restaurant in New York, Chicago, and L.A., and those 50-year-old waiters and waitresses, they're all sculptors and artists and painters and musicians. Right. They stay too long at that bloody party is what yeah. happened. <laughs> but correct. what you did, right? Yeah. You've been pursuing your musical career throughout your life. And you travel well, the I'll world. Share a, yeah. And I'll share a short story with you. A good friend of mine, a multi-Grammy winner, David Holt, down in North yep. Carolina. Uh, David, I sat on my front porch back in the 70s. And he said, you know, Fred, are you going to go professional? And I said, no, Dave, I, I'd like to know where my next meal is coming for you. Well, you know, Fred, I think I'm going to go professional. Here he is with three or four Grammys, you know, and just a fabulous guy. And, 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 and one you of my mentors. from that, that front porch on a movie called Deliverance? That no, was a different experience. <laughs> and that that banjo was being played by somebody in New York City. So yeah, he, um, he, he yeah. did it and he pursued it and he was the exception. And I don't yes, know what, what goes on in the rest of your life, but most people who break out of it, I was 35 when I broke out of the mall. I know what you are. I, uh, you're, you're, you're still pursuing both. But the point is we're not in an either or world anymore. We can all pursue and should pursue all these avenues at the same time. You know, the average American watches five hours of television a night. It's half a word. Give up a couple of sitcoms and start working towards it. You know, I've got one. I know you've got one. I've got one work I've been working on the last couple of years. I've been collecting stuff from Prohibition for 25 years. Really? I am going to open within the next 12 months. I own the URL a website called prohibitionantiques.com. <laughs> and I'm That's also going to become the world's third worst bass player by there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a concert coming up with my good friend Bill Burke here in uh, the end of February. And uh, I was on NPR a couple of times this last year. And, you know, you got to keep your, you got to keep yourself going with different things and keep the variety out there. You are so right about that. I'm sorry to interrupt you about that. You've got to keep nah. variety going. It was the great philosopher Keith Richards who, who once said, you get <laughs> bored with everything after a couple of hours. Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> <And> he's <laughs> a great philosopher. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. You've got to, it doesn't matter that you go bankrupt or you don't get the gig or the gig goes bad. You just got to keep doing it and sticking to it. And if you do it long enough, it works. Who is the woman who wrote Little House on the Prairie? Oh, I don't can't know. remember her name. But she didn't get published till she was 65. And you That's just got to keep going with these things for the joy they give you. And when That's one true. business idea fails, you start another one and you just keep going. So what you're saying is if we're all going to lose our jobs to robotics, in the manufacturing world and in the even in the computer world, it's going to become more robotic. Then what do we really do? Are you saying just do two or three things, try to make two or three incomes and make ends meet? People do that now and they can't make ends meet. Like you said, the waiters in New York and they're also artists on the side to hopefully sell something or be recognized, but they're still waiting tables. Is that the, is that the future 
for America? No, there's, those are people who have been following that list too long. You've got to have a plan. Number one, you've got to examine about the ways artificial intelligence and robotics are affecting your profession and the companies in your sector and your company in particular and your job within that. And do whatever you can to develop the skills that get you more involved with the implementation of productivity tools. And productivity tools are two words that replace artificial intelligence and robotics. They're productivity tools, right? Get as close as you can to change. I have a youngest son who's just entered the military. And... He scored so well, he had his pick of jobs, and he's going into satellites. Good. And he's doing almost a year of basic training for that. And I think it's wonderful because no matter what happens to the world, we're always going to have the satellites. Yes, we are. And, and we yes, look we at are. jobs where they're, where they're always going to be. And we do that. We keep our eye on what's happening to a company. You do outplacement. You do coaching just as I do over the years. And we have mm -hmm. so many people come to us. And you tell me if I'm wrong, Fred. You know, I heard this was coming, but I knew it couldn't happen to me. And, and, and now I've lost my job. So you can't go to HR and ask them to tell you the truth of your boss because they're not allowed to. And sometimes they're not even aware of what's going on. Yeah. If you hear the rumors, believe the rumors. Keep those resumes up to date. Keep up looking. Invest some of your time every night in that next entrepreneurial endeavor. They take years to come to fruition. It took me from when I started writing 20 years before I turned it into income. But, you know, every day you wake up on the right side of the grass, we're ahead of the game. So we yes. do that and we pursue the banjo and the bass or whatever it is for the joy it gives us, for the juice for the it puts in our lives. That's right. That's right. And maybe it'll Absolutely. make us money. Maybe it won't. But we'll have more fun life and we'll know other people. Do you have time for a quick story? I do. Let's do a quick story. Okay. Well, I was writing this book that I got called a communist for writing uh, about this very topic, which you know everyone refers to as side gigs. I ran into this woman. She was an accountant in New Jersey. Also turned out she was an antique dealer. Her dad had been the local town jeweler, and she remembered sitting on his knee on Saturday mornings while he fixed watches. And when he passed on, no one wanted his watch mending and, and jewelry mending equipment, so she had it. So she's working as an accounts receivable clerk in this company, and I believe she's still there to this day. And she comes home one night, and the clock's broken. And then she has this thought, you know what? I could probably fix that. So she roots around in the closet and finds this rolled-up clock with all these tools in. And she said at midnight, it still wasn't working. My coffee table was covered in bits of clock, but I hadn't watched TV all night. I'd been inside my own head reliving grandpa and the funniest to have as a kid. Anyway, she got it fixed in the next two or three nights. And she said, that weekend, I found myself out at the flea market looking for broken clocks. Six months later, she had a table at that same flea market selling antique clocks. And now she had, well, we're going back, you know, 20 years now. She had a clock antique shop. She still worked as an 
accounts payable clerk, but she was driving a Lexus 450 and had a completely additional separate life that she never would have had had she not stopped watching TV one night and started investing in herself. Should I title this podcast, Stop Watching TV, Invest in Yourself? (laughs) 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 Or artificial intelligence is going to bite you in the derriere. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, we have been spending a wonderful time with Martin Yate, my friend and prodigious author, prolific in everything he writes, and he's 18 career management books and 80 editions all over the world. Martin, thanks so much for joining us today on the U.S. at Work. Appreciate you spending the time. Fred, it has been a pleasure, and it's lovely to talk to you again, Pa. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcoopercoon.com. See you soon.